0: to the speaking of tangents podcast end of year spectacular five days of holidays podcasts an end of the year spectacular five days of holidays podcast for your ears this is day five yes that is correct five of five we made it so on day five we're gonna once again go back to the future that doesn't work. We're going to go back to the past with another episode of the Podcasts of Christmas Past, Part 2. In this episode, I will turn the tables and interview KJ. And just like the interview from day four, this was recorded about a year and a half ago, right when we were first beginning to podcast. It was actually the third thing we ever recorded after the interview from yesterday, which, of course, was the second thing, which is how numbers work. So, we hope you enjoy this little peek back into just the very infantile beginnings of what we were doing, when we really didn't know what we were doing, and honestly, okay, that's not any different from now, because we still don't know what we're doing, but we hope you'll enjoy it anyway, as we present the final day in the Speaking of Tangents End of Year Spectacular 5 Days of Holidays podcast and also the grand finale of the Podcasts of Christmas Past, part two. Have a guest on the show this week. Answer no or yes. It's about everything. Do we have a guest? Do we have a
1: guest? Do we have a guest? Answer no or yes. Um, no.
0: So today on the show, we have a very special guest. Uh, this person you may have already become a little familiar if you've been listening to the podcast or if you've ever visited tkjingles.com. I believe she's also been a guest on the Tony Kornheiser radio show at some point. Uh, but we have her here today, so please welcome KJ, and how is it that you say your last name? Onstead. Onstead. Okay. Because I probably would have said it wrong.
1: Like instead, but with an on.
0: That is a great way to remember it. Yeah. I will never forget. Yep. So, KJ Onstead <laughs> here with us today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> Did you say uh, it wrong on purpose? Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what most people say, Onstead. I mean, uh, most people say, own stat like you did
0: yep but I- like instead it's onstead yes okay onstead so kj onstad with us here today
1: well thank you so much for having me it's an honor well, to be you for on being this
0: here. podcast well i would hope so since it's also your podcast yes <laughs>
1: i'm honored every day that i get a chance to do this
0: so am i so am i <laughs> uh, so i thought we'd start out with similar how um Most interviews start out. Uh, Where are you from? Like, how many places have you lived? Where do you live now? Just tell us a little bit about um, your background as far as that goes.
1: Okay. Well, I am originally from Montana, born in Helena, Mm -hmm. and lived there for just a few years, probably. I think when I was five or six, we moved to Oregon, and I went to kindergarten in Gresham, Oregon, which is a suburb of Portland. Hmm. Um, and then when I was six, my p- parents got divorced and I moved with my mom to Louisiana. So I spent, I believe it was first through fifth grade in Louisiana, a small town called Thibodeau. If I remember geography correctly, it was an hour or so southeast of New Orleans. So way down there in Cajun country. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and then I would live with my dad in the summers in Michigan. And um, so then when... so But most of my life, I probably would consider home. Um, I grew up from sixth grade through high school in Winona, Minnesota.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, then after high school... My mom, my mom remarried when I was a junior in high school, and then they waited till I graduated high school. And now they live in Iowa. And um, I went to college in Wisconsin, and then I transferred to Winona uh, State to finish up my degree. And so, m- most of my life, I'd say, is Minnesota. I've been to, uh, you know, to, to college in Wisconsin, but you know, right next door. And now I live in Minnesota.
0: And that's where you consider basically home is Minnesota.
1: Yeah, but then every time I go back to Montana, I think, yeah, this is home. So it's kind of, it's, <laughs> it's tough. I, I have a few homes.
0: Uh, I can understand that. I, I have had similar experience myself. So Montana, and Helena, Montana, that, that's the capital of Montana, correct? Correct. You were there until you were, you said five or six?
1: Yeah, I think it was about 5. We lived in a smaller town called Townsend, which is about 45 miles from Helena. But mm-hmm. I was born in the hospital in Helena because the other towns around did not really have one a hospital.
2: Yeah. That's that's cool. And my dad and uh, his
1: side of the family all live out there. Um most of them stayed out there and my dad when he retired from mi- in Michigan, he went out there too. And now they live in a they always lived in a small town, just, just five miles away from Helena called Clancy, which is where hmm. they still live.
0: And now, is your mom or her family, are they from Louisiana?
1: No, they're from North Dakota.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So when, she, when the, my parents got divorced, my aunt, the one that provides great recommendations, she, yes. she is my mother's sister, and she, had a, she was teaching in Louisiana at the time, and my mom I think at that time just wanted to be near family after the divorce and so she found a job as a teacher in Louisiana and the rest as they say is history so that's what we did we went down there and lived for a number of years so my formative years as you say as they say and once in a while I will still have people ask me am I from the south with some of the words that I say
0: <laughs> picked up on some of this the lingual tendencies that we have down here, I suppose.
1: Yeah, well, when you're in first through sixth grade, those are the years when you pick that stuff up the most, and it tend to, tends to stick around.
0: Very true, very true. So your dad ended up in Michigan, is that what you said?
1: Yes. He was in, um, well, probably the, the closest main city that people might know is Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, mm-hmm. but we were, we were north of that about 30 minutes in a really, really little town. Um, and then he taught in Big Rapids, Michigan, at Ferris State University for okay. ten, fifteen years.
0: And how did you end up uh, going to college in Wisconsin?
1: Well, when I when I graduated from uh, high school in Winona, I decided, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I finally decided, okay, I wanted to go into forestry. Mm-hmm. So. The, the, one of the colleges that had a good forestry, forestry program was University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. So that's where I ended up. And I, of course, didn't finish with that degree because, you know, you're not always, you go to the college, but you don't always end up finishing with the degree you start with. So.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that's the majority of people that I've ever talked to. Yeah,
1: so that's why I ended up transferring to Winona State to finish up uh, my degree that I did. Uh, graduate undergraduate with was mm-hmm. um, exercise science athletic training. So that's what I ended up doing, starting from forestry.
0: Cool. That's that's quite a jump there.
1: <laughs> you well know, the reason that I quit forestry was I said, oh this is too much science. So then I went into health promotion and I didn't really like that. And then I ended up going into athletic training and then I got my graduate degree in physical therapy. Which is all science, so
0: I was getting ready to say physical therapy is a lot of science.
1: No, yeah, it was all science I, so you know <laughs> it was just that time of the, my life that I thought this is this isn't what I want, but at times I do feel like I should have stayed in in that dNr forestry path hmm.
0: well, I'll say this as far as science goes, it's sometimes you get into it's. Not that, it's not that you're not into science, it's that maybe it's a different kind of science and a different way to apply it, a different field to apply it into.
1: Right, yep.
0: So, so um, you graduated, um, you have a graduate degree in physical therapy? Yes. And are you actually using that degree or are you like most people that I know now who I went to college with who are doing something else rather than, than what their degree is? No,
1: I'm actually using it.
0: <laughs> That's good.
1: Yeah, I work in a local uh, nursing home transitional care unit. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And previous to that, I did 10 years of outpatient physical therapy where it was mostly just general population. But now, just uh, not even a year ago, I made a transition from general population to elderly nursing home and people that need a place to to rehabilitate for a couple weeks after surgeries and stuff like that.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's been quite
1: a transition, but I really like working in the geriatric population, so it's been a good transition for me.
0: That's great. That's great. Uh, at any point, did you do any, like, team training or, um, like, for, like, sports teams, anything like that?
1: Yes. Um, we've, when, I, when I finished my um, athletic training degree at Winona State, I took a, a job with St. Mary's University in Winona. It's a private D, I think, D3 school. Um, mm-hmm. And I worked with, so I worked there, but I also worked with Winona State Athletics. So I worked with um, women's basketball, women's and men's hockey, um, and it's mostly the winter sports that it was a winter sports contract at St. Mary's. And then I worked with, um, when I was in college, I worked with every team that Winona State had, football, gymnastics, uh, basketball, soccer, baseball, softball, pretty much all wow. of those. You had to do a rotation every year or every couple of months with each team, depending on what you know what season it was
0: very cool very cool
1: with all of those for everything that i worked with every sport that i worked with i enjoyed football the most as far as watching and hockey cuz i can't skate so just watching people skate is crazy <laughs> to me but the strongest and most stubborn athletes that i worked with stubborn in a good way for the most part was gymnastics women's gymnastics those mm. girls are so tough. And sometimes you get on the football team. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not I am I don't feel so good. I think I'm hurt and then come the day before the walkthrough practice before the game, all of a sudden they're all healed. <laughs> Whereas in gymnastics it was I'm fine, leave me alone, I don't need I don't need help. Um, so they would play hurt a lot, which was not necessarily good, but they mm. were pretty strong young ladies. So that's why the Olympics is always fun for me to watch gymnastics but i cringe every time especially on the beam it's, hmm. uh, that scares the crap out of me the beam because if they flip over and hit their head they can do that anywhere but the beam just just i don't know something about standing on however wide that beam is and it's what is it four feet off the ground uh, three feet I, off yeah the i think ground? it's like
0: yeah three feet off the ground it's like four four inches wide something like that i that seems crazy to me. And I, I agree with you that I feel like pound for pound, they are definitely the toughest athletes I've ever encountered, uh, the gymnast, because it's, it takes more than just the physical ability. You, I mean, you got to obviously have that, and that either you have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. But just mentally tough to be able to, to do that. And some of the stuff, like you said, with the beam that they do, but the other things too, I mean, I'm just, I'm just blown away by how physically and mentally tough both they have to be.
1: Oh yeah, and then they're all—it's all year long. Hmm. But they—they—they they, they tried to teach me once at in Winona State how to do the, the uneven bars. Yeah. Um, had, they wanted to teach me how to do a giant. You familiar with what a giant is?
0: Is that where they just swing all the way around? Yeah, one time? make a big it? circle. Cool.
1: Yeah, they say you can do it. No, nope, it's not, it's not bad. So I put those grip things on and I chalked up my hands, and I literally could do nothing but hang on the bar. <laughs> I could I swung a little bit, but they said they tried to help me by giving me a spot and push me. I couldn't hmm. move and the bar was so hard to the touch. It was I mean I had blisters and I was only hanging on it for a couple of minutes. Oh man. So it gave me a new respect, like, wow. I thought it would you know, when you watch it on T V, oh it's no big deal. I can spin around on this thing. No.
0: Yeah, it looks effortless, yeah, yeah but no. No. Yeah.
1: So that was uh, that I, was I fun.
0: I did the parallel bars. Um, I remember in high school one time we had, uh, we didn't really have a gymnastics team, but we went to a, a track meet where they, at one point where they had um, a gymnastics team at a bigger school and we, we were in there and we were like, Hey, we can do this. We can do this. And I jumped up on the parallel bars, the, the men's that are, um, you know, about the same height as the beam. And it, I jumped up and held myself up and did a couple of, you know, try to, picked my legs up and did that and I was like this is how, how they flip around on this stuff and catch themselves and do all that crazy stuff is is unbelievable to me
1: oh yeah and the pommel horse for for the men
0: yeah forget that uh uh-uh. that I, looks I, super
1: no. easy oh well they're just swinging their legs back and forth over the pommel horse yeah. it, it can't be that easy
0: oh no the body control and strength um alone I actually one of my daughter's preschool teachers uh, she was a gymnast when she was younger. She was a, a high school gymnast, and both of she has two kids that are both um, college gymnast gymnasts at their at their small like I think it's like a D two school. Mm-hmm. That uh, one son and one daughter. And when I met them, they are all probably four foot nine or you know they're less than five feet tall, mm-hmm. and are solid muscle. Like I I couldn't believe it. Just you see them on TV and you're like, oh, they're little or or whatever. But you see them in person, you see a, an actual college level or you know even you know world class gymnast in person, and it is, it's a whole new world of wow. That person is nothing but muscle and, and power and strength. And I you don't I personally never have thought about the, especially on the women's side of it. You know, I don't think about the strength going into it, but they are pound for pound probably the strongest athletes. They're ripped. Yes.
1: They're absolutely ripped. They used to call one one of the athletes at Winona State Quadzilla, which I thought was a great nickname because she did have just the biggest, hugest, most muscular quads I'd ever seen on a, on a lady. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's they like don't their
0: legs. Have... Go ahead. Their legs are the are the size of my waist.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, wow, it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah, they're really they're really they're beasts.
0: So we've talked a little bit about uh, your parents being, uh, one side of your family is from Montana, the other from North Dakota, but your name, Onstead. Onstead, mm. am I saying that right? Yeah, you got it. What do you know about the, um, the origin of your name and like where your ancestry, do you know much about your, your ancestry?
1: Well, first of all, my, I should have said this, my father is also from North Dakota and they moved to Montana when he was two too. So both my parents are from North Dakota. Oh, okay. But um, my dad will say he's from Montana, but he's really from North Dakota. Onsted <laughs> um, is Norwegian, and I don't know a whole lot about about that name, um, but I do know, or I've been told at least, there is a a town in Norway called Onsted, which is where my relatives or my ancestors are are. They might be from or they took the name. I don't exactly cool. know. Uh, Norway is on my list. My mother took a trip to Norway with her mother, so my grandmother, um, in the 90s, and I want to take my mother to Norway someday. So that's on my list, and I'm sure that we would do, even though Onsted is not her name, I'm sure she would allow me to go and figure out where that name comes from. I know I do have some distant relatives left in Norway, but they all came over on the boat, I think, with my grandparents. My grandparents' parents were the ones that came over on the boat.
0: That's cool. Very cool. So Scandinavian, primarily, then?
1: Yeah. yeah. I am 75% Norwegian, 25% Swedish.
0: Oh, so 100% Scandinavian. Yeah.
1: Anstead is um, a Norwegian name.
0: So what do your parents do for a living?
1: My... My dad. Well, I'm a PK. Have you heard that Mm -hmm. term before?
0: I'm going to say preacher's kid. That's right. Ah.
1: I'm a PK. So my father is a Lutheran pastor, um, Mm -hmm. and he he taught, and he also was he. My dad had an interesting. He's got two. He had two jobs: pastor and professor at Ferris State University in in Michigan, um, in automotive technology. Wow. Yeah. So he, and that was at a time where I didn't really care what my dad did or, you know, even when I was in Michigan, I didn't really understand what he did. But so Mm -hmm. as far as I know, what he taught was people that some of the, some of his graduates would be involved in car designs um, Hmm. or also car salesmen. And, I'm sure there was much more involved, but I, I can't give you more information than that. But I, I always thought it was interesting that he was a pastor. And then he, during the week, would go teach at Ferris State for a completely different field.
0: Did he end up in Michigan? Uh, because primarily that's a, that was a big part of the car industry in America was in Detroit and, and in Michigan. Is that, is that kind of how he ended up in Michigan?
1: Absolutely. Yep. It was the only college in the country at that time. And I don't know you know maybe it still is that had that mm-hmm. that program so
0: that's, that's cool. why
1: he went and then he got a call from a lutheran church where we were live where we ended up living which is about 45 minutes from big rapids where Ferris state is so but prior to teaching at fair state he he was a primarily full-time lutheran pastor and he he preached i guess is the proper term cuz yeah. prot prot doesn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say prot. <laughs>
1: yeah. He he teached, uh, he preached in mostly Montana, but he had he did uh, before I was born, before both my myself and my brother were born. Um they were in Wisconsin and and they uh, I don't think he ever had a call in North Dakota, but primarily Montana. And then mm-hmm. then then he got the job in Michigan. And now he retired from Teaching at Ferris State, and he has a small little church in Clancy, Montana
0: hmm.
1: so he retired and moved back to Montana at that at probably about fifteen twenty years ago now
0: So did you notice growing up uh, being a, a preacher's kid did you notice um, did people treat you differently or was there any perspective on different perspective on that because i I don't have that background, so I'm actually curious
1: no, I don't think that I- I don't think that I. You do hear that a lot that PK, P, PKs are treated differently, or yes. um I just remember at the time that I was. So most of the time I was living with my mom. In oh yeah. So in the summer summers, um, I just remember having to go to church all the time. So some <laughs> some Sundays there'd be more than one service, and then Christmas Eve there'd be three services, and I had to go to all of them. So I just remember yeah. that, but I don't remember a lot of. Oh, she's the goody two-shoes or, because usually hmm. with PKs, it goes one way or the other. Goody two-shoes yes. or rebel, re, you know, a <laughs> yeah, rebel. Totally. Um, I don't think I was either. I kind of was in the middle. But I didn't, I didn't, probably because nobody, unless I told them, nobody that I went to school with knew that I was a PK because I wasn't living with my dad. So I don't think I had that typical experience.
0: Hmm. And also be glad that you didn't grow up in the South. As far as that goes, Southern Baptist in the Southeast, because you'd have been at church not only Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons and Sunday nights and Wednesdays and Tuesdays sometimes, and during the summer, practically, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Oh, I know. I feel like Southern Baptists go to church. And that's how I grew up, honestly, is my parents taking me to church, to a Southern Baptist church, and... um, it almost made me never. It it pretty much at that point made me never want to go to church again.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: because it was so much organized religion forced down your throat that I almost wanted to go. It's it, just back off. Just it's too much. It's too many. It's too many days. It's too much time.
1: Yep, I was I was joke. Um, you know, I've got I've got church stocked up. I don't have to go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of. Baptist, Southern Baptist when I think of the typical PK experience which I doubt is typical is the footloose movie
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. where the girl can't dance or the boy can't the, I think Kiefer Sutherland was the preacher's kid right or was it the daughter
0: Is the daughter yeah, yeah, the Lori daughter. Singer she was she, the preacher's kid She
1: couldn't she couldn't dance she couldn't date that is not that is really not how I grew up Lutherans are a little okay. bit more liberal when it comes to all that kind of stuff
0: yeah, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I was in middle school, I had one woman tell me that 4-4, the time to signature, is of the devil, and the only good music is in 3-4.
1: Because
0: <laughs> 4-4, you know, is rock and roll.
1: Yeah, right. Wow, that is extreme.
0: So, obviously, I did not take that advice.
1: No. No, you didn't at all. <laughs> no, when in, in, in Lutheran churches, there's def, there's. I'm sure there's 3-4 and 4-4 and maybe even 2-8, mm-hmm. but... Mostly everybody's sitting in the back pews. Nobody wants to sit up front. And um, there's not a lot of rhythm going on. But you've probably never been in a Lutheran service, have you? I have. In a Midwestern Lutheran service?
0: Um, in a Kentucky Lutheran. I've been to one in Kentucky. yeah, That's not really Midwestern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to one in, was it Montana? Where was it? Colorado, maybe? So not necessarily Midwestern, but um, yeah, I've... If it's a de- if there's a denomination out there, I've pretty much been to the services of it at least once or twice.
1: Oh, okay. Well, there in, in this part of the country, everybody sits in the back. No yep. nobody wants to make any look everybody wants to be uniform. Mm-hmm. Nobody sings very loudly. A lot of people are off key and y- <laughs> you do not want to you do not want to say, "Can I get an amen?" or anything like that.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> and honestly, the Baptist churches that I've been to, I went to several Baptist churches in Michigan um, when I was up there for uh, a month at one point. And it, the Baptist up there is way different from the Baptist in the South. Oh, yeah. It's way, yeah. way, it's northern. It's actually, what the ones I went to were called Northern Baptist. And it's, it's much more like what, what you just described from the Lutheran Church.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's several different types of Lutheran church. My my, I grew up, and my dad is still a pastor in the ELCA branch. Hmm. There's also Missouri Synod, um, Wisconsin Synod, and they're they're vastly different.
0: Wow, I think I probably know less about Lutheran than any of the other denominations. But yeah, it's it's crazy how you can go from. Uh, I mean, have you ever been to? Is it? Because I, I've I've also been to Pentecostal churches where um, the women have to wear long skirts and they can't cut their hair and no makeup and no jewelry and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no,
0: not not, not by my choice. Uh, but right. you know, I've I've been to those too. So I'm I'm assuming Lutheran is not that at all.
1: Uh, it, the ELCA is not. Okay. Um, I don't know for sure if Wisconsin Synod is like that, but it's a lot more conservative in that way. Um. Hmm. You know, it's more traditional. Women um, need to stay home and and cook, and you know that that sort of thing. Women shouldn't have outside jobs.
0: Oh wow, yeah, that's yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, I'm not. No, for I can't sure, say I would agree with that. I'm not for sure on that, but that's kind of the way that I've at least learned hmm. how how the, di- the some of the differences
0: it's strange how that kind of stuff develops over traditions over time. And it's interesting to me to see the different denominations, the different things that they have latched onto and the other things that they have just kind of let slide. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of studying and research, not re- And when I say research, I mean, I've actually been to a lot of these different places, different services and the different nominational meetings and things like that. It's, it's always very interesting. It's, it's, most of them are nuts, to be honest with you.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's, and it's huge. It's quite a vast difference, even within religions. So, oh, yes. you know, like I said, when I say Lutheran, I could be talking about totally different things.
0: Yes. So I clarify and that
1: I'm of ELCA. That's how I grew up.
0: Mm. Well, it's, I know that it's, it's just like we have people in this country that say, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, A Muslim, if you're Islam, then you're just you're just like the terrorist. When no, it's that'd be like saying that all Christians, all Protestants, are the the at the level of the people who are bombing abortion clinics. And it's not you have crazy people in every in every denomination. Exactly. You have and you have sane, and the majority are sane people who want to do the right thing, and that sometimes they get led in the wrong direction, and that's a problem. But it's not. It's not a crazy thing. I, we can have a whole discussion right. about religion one day, because I, but anyway. Oh yeah, there's um,
1: extremists in every religion, and even if they're not religious, there's extremists in, in everything you can think yes. of, everywhere. Yes. I have a really good book, um,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I my my mom gave it to me a number of years ago, and of course now I don't remember of it, remember the name of it, but it's <laughs> it's it lists all of the many of the different faiths and kind of in column. Simple reading format this is what they typically believe this is what they don't believe um, hmm. and it's really interesting, so anyway, I digress
0: <laughs> If you remember that or find it, email me because I've always interested in reading stuff like that I'll definitely do that so we've we've talked about your dad. Uh, what did your mom do for a living?
1: uh for many years, my mom um did just a diff- many different things um I know she she used to sell. I don't know if it was door to door. This was before I was born, but it was either door to door. Yeah, it must have been door to door. Um, mm-hmm. encyclopedia saleswoman. She did Wow. Yeah, she did that for a while. And then That is
0: definitely a job you don't hear of in 2016 anymore. It's that's really cool. I don't
1: even know if encyclopedias are around anymore. I'm sure they are, yeah, yeah, but I,
0: <laughs> they may not even make them.
1: Do they make them? There's no need.
0: I I suppose they have to have them for people who just don't have access to the internet yeah. or can't afford a computer. But yeah, it's it seems like that's that's on the way out. But that's that's really cool. That's something that, you know, in the next generation, they're going to be like, I don't even know what this is, this thing you're talking about.
1: Exactly. Well, I think we're already there. I think some people don't know.
0: <laughs> you're probably right.
1: Um, so I, I'm i pretty sure she did that. Now that I say that, I'm thinking, OK, well, maybe I'm making this up. But no, I'm pretty sure she did did the encyclopedia sales I'll have to double check now cuz I'm questioning my memory but I, I this was before I was born but I think I've heard that story that she did some of that and then um she taught she helped out in preschool I don't think she was a teacher at that point but she helped out in the in a preschool kindergarten in Montana um I think she also worked at the local nursing home and she also for summers some in the summertime, she would work at Yellowstone National Park. Um, I don't know exactly what she did. Whether she, you know, helped, whether she sold tickets to people as they walked in, or if she did, you know, there's so many different jobs that you could do at the park. But
0: yeah, she was. A, that's a cool. That's a cool office to go to every day.
1: Yeah, she was a summer help there, so she wasn't doing any research or anything like that as a scientist or anything like that. But she she tells me that's one of the most fun job she ever had. And then when my folks got divorced, she, um, well, before that she was also teaching, she taught high school English for many years. And then, um, when my folks got divorced, she, when we moved to Louisiana, she got a job in special education. And then she did that for the years that we lived down there. And then when we moved to Minnesota, she continued that in the, in the high school. And she did that until, Hmm. When when she got remarried remar- and moved to Iowa, they in order to continue to do that, Iowa had these ridiculous laws of teacher how to how to become a teacher in that state. And so she was right on oh, the yeah. right on the cusp of retiring. So they, she just retired rather than go back to school to become a teacher in Iowa. So for most of yeah. her career, she was a teacher.
0: That's cool. So I, I noticed you mentioned that she did some work in a nurse in volunteers or did some work in a nursing home. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. So possibly that's where you got your inclination to, to help out with the, the geriatric uh, group.
1: Well, it could be. Um, I know that the reason that I went to college for athletic training and, and then finished up with a graduate degree in physical therapy is because I got injured myself and had to do eight months of physical therapy. When I was at a, you know, at the age where you're trying to decide what you're gonna do,
0: yeah. What happened?
1: Oh, I was on one of those huge trampolines. First of all, it was at a friend of mine's high school grad grad party, Mm -hmm. and for some reason, I had socks on, which I don't think you should be doing because it makes it more slippery. But I ended up catching uh, someone's rebound, and so when I was coming down. Uh, it kind of did that rebound thing, and my leg hyperextended, and I, I broke, my, broke my tibia and tore my ACL and my PCL. So I had to have major surgery and then lots of, lots of therapy. Wow. So that's when I, because when I, that was right after my fresh, or right after my senior year of high school before going to my freshman year of college. And so I had to do therapy. I had to find a therapist in Stevens Point, Wisconsin to do therapy throughout the school year. And that's kind of where I first started thinking, well, maybe I'll go into therapy instead. And if you hmm. ask most therapists, a lot of them have gotten injured first and gone through therapy, and then that's where they picked that career.
0: Well, that's, very, that's very interesting. I never would have thought that. Uh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. It, Not that you got hurt, but it's cool that, it, that well, so mean, many people in therapy that, are, that do physical therapy started out as going through that themselves and experiencing that. And what I, from my experience... I want somebody, no matter what, any expert that's helping me or any trainer or any teacher, I want them to have gone through the same thing that I'm going through or at least a similar thing because that helps them sympathize with yeah, absolutely. the patient. Yep. So that's good to hear.
1: Yeah. And in hindsight, that was a, my injury was a good thing for me because it helped me pick my career. But I have definite arthritis issues in that left knee. So that part I'm not so happy about.
0: Hmm. So do you have any pets?
1: Oh, yes. We have two dogs. And mm-hmm. Wrigley is my my guy that I had. Um, I adopted him when he was nine months old from a shelter. And he's 12 now. So he's a golden retriever. He He's probably a golden retriever lab mix, but I've never had his, what is it, the DNA test? I've never had that done, although I want mm-hmm. to. And he's 12. He'll, he's about to be 13. And Emmy adopted her when she was two and now Emmy is eight. Emmy is a rat terrier. They say she's purebred, but I think she's got some Jack Russell in her. She doesn't really look Mm. like a purebred rat terrier to me. Again, we have not done the DNA test. So it's a melded family, the two dogs. Um, (laughs) And the rat terrier, Emmy, she she rules the roost. She is that, the boss. That's
0: funny that the, the little, the little, I'm, I'm assuming she's the much smaller dog.
1: She's much smaller. She's like 14, 15 pounds. Wrigley's about 75 oh, wow. pounds. So yeah. yeah, she definitely she's the boss, and he just he lets her do whatever she wants.
0: That's funny. <laughs> so we talked a little bit before about um, the TK show in um, in our significant others not wanting to listen uh, really. But when did you start listening to TK?
1: I started whatever year he was national on ESPN mm-hmm. radio. Um, I feel like that was like 98 or 99, but yeah, I, I could, was going to say 98. I so. could be off on that. Um, so I've listened to him for a long time now. And then he went on that hiatus for Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. and I thought he was done. So I was really ecstatic when he came back on. But it's been whatever, how many years is 1998? 18. Sounds right. Something like that. <laughs>
0: what, <laughs> what year is this?
1: 2016. So 20, yeah, I, 2018. 18. Yeah. Hey, I'm pretty good.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a good, good one.
1: Uh, and the only person that I ever knew that liked TK at that time was one of my college professors. Hmm. And, uh, he actually wrote the show one time and, uh, mentioned that I came up to him after class one day and said, you must, you must like TK, because one of his slides said vindication, baby. I mean, sorry, affirmation, baby.
0: Affirmation, baby, yeah.
1: Yeah, one of his slides said affirmation, baby, and I went up to him, and he wrote the TK show that, um, that message. So it was pretty neat, because I didn't know he was writing him, and then all of a sudden I hear in the mailbag that my professor was emailing and talking about the Littles connection. So was kind of fun.
0: So this is like, yeah, this is like a Gretchen Wu sort of situation.
1: Yes, before Gretchen Wu. Wow. Like, yeah. Um, maybe
0: he should have written in more than once or twice, and then he would be the Gretchen Wu.
1: Maybe, except his <laughs> his name's not as cool as Gretchen Wu, right? Gretchen Wu just kind of <laughs> well, floats. I mean, off how the many people are? No, right? Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so no, he's been listening that many years too, and probably longer. I don't know, but um,
0: that's really cool. So anytime
1: yeah. I had TK. I wanted to discuss it would always be with him nobody else even Very knew cool. who TK was at least I didn't know anyone that listened to it
0: yeah I don't know of anyone who listens I know a lot of people who watch PTI and a lot of people who know who Tony is um if you mention his name but I I don't know of anybody else um that I interact with on a regular basis that, that even knows he has a radio show
1: no and most people that I try to exp- when I try to explain the jingles fest or whatever I start with, "Do you know who Tony Kornheiser is?" And most of the time, they don't know.
0: Then yeah, then they have no chance yeah. on the rest of this.
1: <laughs> so a lot of my friends just probably don't watch ESPN, which I watch PTI mm-hmm. all the time. So it's kind Same of here. kind of odd to me. But most people don't know who he is when I describe him to the people that I know.
0: So have you been watching PTI basically from the beginning? Then
1: no, because there's a lot of years in there where I was not, I didn't have cable. So oh, okay. I would go in and out of watching PTI, but probably close to the beginning. It started in, what, mm-hmm. 2001, I believe? I,
0: th- uh, I think it was yeah, right uh, after the It's It's early 2000s, tax, yeah.
1: Or 2000, yeah. Um, I've probably been watching since maybe religiously more like 2003, 2004. Wow, yeah. A little while, not, not as long as you have.
0: It's uh, pretty close, though, very close. It's about the same.
1: It's a, it's a great show.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. It's it's the one it's the one show that I if if I could get that show on a regular basis in an easy way, legal way, without having any sort of cable, mm-hmm. then I would then I would drop completely all cable you know, or satellite or whatever uh, TV and, and I could find everything else I need on something on another way. But that's that's the one thing that's kind of keeping me um, attached to cable or, and or satellite.
1: Well, that's the one show, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it is a great show. I've got more than that as far as keeping me attached to ca- cable. Also, I live out in the boonies, so I really do need a direct TV satellite in order to get cool. anything.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about uh, Tony's show and talked about uh, Even Library. We've mentioned that. And is there anything that stands out in particular in your mind as, wow, I'm really proud of this jingle or I'm proud of this moment or I was, I'm very happy that, you know, that this got on the air, that kind of thing?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um,
0: let me ask you this. Let, yeah, me, let me ask ahead. you this. What was the very first, what was the very first time that you had a jingle played or a, an email read on the air on Tony's radio show?
1: The very first time was when, way back when he was, when they were saying, well, if you want to send in your version of our mailbag, do it, you know, feel free to do that.
0: The original Gary email. Yeah. Bag. Gary
1: Braun. And so mm-hmm. I sent in an acapella version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was for the very first time nowadays, you kind of know before you, you know, well before the show airs that your song was on cause of Twitter or email or so, or the message board or something. Mm-hmm. And at back then I didn't, I didn't even know it was on. And, and that came on the, on the radio at the time we were driving and I'm like, well, that's me. That's me. And she's like, uh, uh-uh. uh I'm like, yeah, that's me. So that was kind of a fun moment. <laughs>
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah. But my first jingle jingle was uh, the podcast delay, uh, Carly Simon, You're So Vain. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I played on ukulele. So those first ones were probably the most fun because you didn't expect, you know, you didn't expect to be on the, the radio. Um, but when I visited the show and they played the one of my jingles, that was pretty fun to watch their faces. in Yes. That watch their faces live to a song that you had you had done but
0: who was who was there on the show that day that you when you were there
1: uh it was gary braun and uh-huh. chris eliza and tony and nigel mark cool. stern cool i was so boring that day like i feel like i couldn't say i'm just the the cat had my tongue the whole time i felt like these people think i'm a think i'm a uh dope i've got nothing good to say i can't find think of anything to say i'm just starstruck i can't believe i'm sitting here you know that kind of thing so i've always been regretful that i couldn't open my mouth and say anything in english it felt like
0: (laughs) I, i i think from my experience i think everybody and from other people i've talked to i think everybody who has visited the show um uh it says exactly the same thing, or at least at some point felt the same way. So I think you're in good company with that. Yeah. And
1: thankfully, they didn't put me. That was back when they weren't putting anybody on the mic, or very rarely. And I,
0: yeah. I don't think they had quite trusted that. And, and with, and, you know, I don't blame them. They hadn't quite trusted that we weren't going to get on there and weren't maniacs. Right. Exactly. At some point.
1: And thankfully, they didn't, because I'm sure it would have been like, oh. Uh... I don't know. <laughs> so I'm really I'm really kinda happy they didn't. But at the same time when, when I hear uh my friends that have been on there since on the radio and you're one of them, mm-hmm. you guys all did so great with it, I'm sure I would have been fine. But at the time I was thinking, Oh good, I'm not gonna go on the mic.
0: Yeah, I I I know that feeling. <laughs> um so um is that the first time that you had met Tony in person uh when you went to the show? Yes. Okay. See that that's different from me because I had met him and, and Mark and Gary uh at um the um the first jingle fest live or whatever you want to call it. What I can't even remember Jingle's, Jingles live, I can't remember yeah. what we called it. It was two years ago. So I had met them there that and that's the first time I'd met any of them and that was really cool. Uh, and so when I went into the studio, you know, six months, eight months later, whatever it was, um it was it was a very different feel. I wasn't like wow, wow, as, nearly as much. And then sure. I saw, of course, Liz and David there, and I was David Aldridge and Liz Clark, and I was like, wow, about them, uh-huh, <laughs> and not necessarily yeah. about Tony and, and Mark.
1: Sure, because you hadn't met them yet.
0: Right, it was totally different.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was, they could not have been nicer. I'm sure you had that same experience, just so.
0: hundred percent. And
1: thanking us for being there, it, they were just great. They're, they're really, really good at their jobs, too. They're very good on the radio. I can't wait for this podcast
0: same here it's it's like you don't you know that they're prepared you know that they have to be prepared to do to do a podcast to do a radio show at that point when they were doing that but you don't realize that they make it look easy because of how good they are and how prepared they are um, beforehand it's it's really cool it was really cool to see it in person and to realize not only are they incredible at what they do they work hard and they prepare and then on top of that they are super nice and gracious with their time and it's it's re- it was really cool to to get to experience that and, and to to, to kind of to realize oh they are they're popular they're professionals for a reason I mean they, they do this for a living for a reason they're professionals
1: they are yes they were that you kind of forget that because you're you listening to them and you're thinking these these people are hilarious this is funny but you, they are you you got it you nailed it they are professionals and they're very good at it and I had that same experience when I went to the PTI studio and watched Tony and Mike they it was all one take no mistakes just boom they were so good it was really that's fun. very cool yeah
0: that's one thing i haven't been able to do yet is to visit the PTI, pti studio and was and so wilbon was in studio that day no
1: wilbon was on satellite but you know he we get to see him during the breaks and stuff and, and uh you know, oh cool yeah they were just both of them no no mistakes everything was in one take and I said to Tony afterwards, I said, you guys are really, obviously he knows this, but I just said, you guys are really good. They didn't make any mistakes. And he goes, yeah, we're pretty good, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, we, Why? Well, yes, you That's are. funny. <laughs> yeah, aren't we <laughs> but, good? What
0: else, what else, what else would you, what else would you expect? Exactly. <laughs> what else would you expect him to say? Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about uh, your background and where you're from. Um. Uh, in terms of music, I want to get a little bit into that um, while we still got some time to get into uh, when you started singing, uh, kind of where that comes from, you think? Uh, when did your interest um, in singing develop? Uh, and then as far as play, playing the ukulele and do you play any other instruments? Um, just tell me a little bit about um, your musical and instrumentation background.
1: Well, I, th- I think I probably got my um, desire to sing from my mom because she was, uh, always involved in church choir and, um, co- sometimes community choirs. And, but mm-hmm. I, she tells me that well, as soon as I was old enough to speak, I was singing around the house or grabbing a hairbrush and performing for people. Um, mm-hmm. so, most of that I don't remember, but occasionally I will remember a few things, but I never, um, I don't think I did. She tried to get me to take piano lessons as a young girl, but I was much more interested in going outside and playing football or, you know, playing sports with the boys. And I was much—I was a tomboy. I didn't want to do that at that time. So, I, in hindsight, I wish I would have, but I, I didn't. And I don't think I got any into anything music, musically, until high school. I was in at my hmm. high school choir, and I did a few musicals, um, but never. Never auditioned for like a lead role. I just wanted to be in the chorus. Uh, So I did um, one or two musicals in high school and um, sang in the high school choir, but didn't do anything in college. Um, Once in a while, I would join a friend that had a band and sing a few songs. But besides high school choir, that was about all I did. And once in a while, my mom always tried to get me to sing in church with her. I wouldn't do it. Um, no, I don't want to do that. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mostly just probably, I think now it's just shyness. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so I never did any of that. And I, after college, I tried to teach myself, my brother taught himself how to play guitar when he was 15. So I was like, well, if he could do it, I could do it. No, I couldn't do it. So I tried guitar. I tried several different types of guitars, tried a smaller one because I'm kind of little. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can't make these chords because this guitar is too big for me. So I tried a sort of a traveling guitar and mm. it's, I didn't have the patience to stick with it. So then I tried the mandolin, which is vastly different from the guitar. Um, yes. And I didn't have the patience for that. But then when the jingles started and... Tony was asking for more, you know, send your jingles in, send your jingles in. And Jerry and others were making these backing tracks while, and using GarageBand or other software programs. I didn't know how to do any of that. So I think it was my brother that said, well, you know, the ukulele is way easier than the guitar. You should maybe try that. That's getting kind of big now. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's where I picked it up. And the, the first song I ever played was actually the jingle podcast delay that I played for uh, really yeah that was the first one and so I'm still not good at it but at least I can play some chords and do something and make something that sounds somewhat musical Um,
0: yeah you certainly I was gonna say you certainly you, you may not think you're good at it but I think you are you certainly make it sound good and tell your brother thanks for um, pointing in that direction because uh, it's th- those are some of my favorite jingles of, w- of any that you've done um, just when you play and sing, just the simple um, no other instrumentation, nothing else going on. And it's, it's, it's really has a good, cool vibe to it. And that's, that's, that's some of the first that I heard, uh, on TK jingles when I started going there after hearing them on the show on Tony's show. And that those are some of the ones that still stand out to me as some of my favorites because of just how cool they sound.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I I will be sure to mention to my brother. Thank you, brother. Look at what you look, what you did.
0: (laughs) I'm sure.
1: (laughs) I'm sure he'll be happy to uh, take credit for that.
0: Does he ever listen to the show at all?
1: Not at all no he has heard <laughs> has my he jingles. heard yeah
0: okay this was my next yeah. question yeah
1: and he knows about he doesn't understand G- the, the TK jingles live and liver I don't think but he knows that I've been to DC and done this sort of weird thing that he can't really describe to anybody <laughs> else but
0: the way I explain it to my family, my, like my parents and my brother and other people in my family that uh, know that i have you know, going to these things in Washington the last couple of years um, is it's basically just a giant get-together party with friends and people that I know and have gotten to know through um, this radio show and now podcast um, that um, it's basically just a party, kind of like an end-of-the-year almost celebration. And mm-hmm. the fact that we get up there and play and sing is just kind of... All extra.
1: That's a great way to describe it. I might have to steal that. I like. Well, I will
0: take credit for that then. Yep,
1: I'll give you credit for it.
0: (laughs) So, is anyone else? um, I know your mom sings. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Does anyone else in your family, um, extended family, they involved in music, like playing instruments or anything like that?
1: No, just my brother, who um, I mentioned, he taught himself to play guitar and. Mm Now that he, he doesn't play it as much, now he's got two twin girls that are four years old. So,
0: oh my, he's
1: he's pretty busy with, with them. But, um, they put on their wish list for the girls for Christmas was a ukulele child's ukulele. So, guess who bought him that?
0: Awesome, uh, awesome. So,
1: who knows? I maybe the kid the girls will become musical. Um, but basically, he taught himself to play guitar. My mom sang, and that's pretty much it that's the background um Mm -hmm. so you know in hindsight i wish i would have taken the piano lessons when my mom asked me to i I wish i would have had i've never had any voice lessons outside of a group in in choir um Mm -hmm. so i mean i wish i could i think voice lessons would be would be very helpful
0: yeah i i think when you're when you're starting out yeah but from what i've seen I've never really taken any voice lessons either either, except for just people that I know who teach voice lessons who, you know, will throw out a suggestion every now and then. Oh, sure. Uh, People that I've sang in bands with and stuff Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, But – I think the the main thing that they will probably say to either of us is, is about breathing because I'm sure we both, oh, yeah. we both don't breathe. Pri- and that's when you get into, is it working for you? And if the answer is yes, then probably don't worry about it. And if yeah. there's something you're trying to do that you can't hit or just, that you're just struggling with, it's probably related to your breathing in some way. And then maybe you could look into that. Or I, I mean, I'm saying this, I'm not saying you, I'm yeah. saying in general, right. um, but from what I've heard of you, everything is working, so I wouldn't worry about the lessons. Okay,
1: thanks. Yeah, breathing is an issue, though. Breathing's tough.
0: Yeah, I've had to learn over the years, uh, especially live performance, um, to remind myself to breathe. And I'll, if I practice the song, then I catch, oh, I need, I'm going to have to remember to breathe right here, which is a weird thing to say. But you, if you if you don't, it just doesn't come natural when, when you're singing. That's why a lot of people take the vocal lessons. to that's the main thing that they pick up from that
1: to find out where to breathe the best spots yes. to breathe, yep
0: so do you ever do you ever get nervous um, like first off, let me ask this when do you ever sing anywhere outside of like live outside of the jingle fest things that we've done um non jingle things do you ever sing out in public and other or perform in public other than that singing
1: um well, I did do um occasionally for the last couple of years but not since I moved I moved to a different area of Minnesota I've mm-hmm. I've did um singing in church in a, in a you know like the contemporary service with a couple of guitars yeah. and a drums and keyboards and there's mm-hmm. four of four or five of us um singing so I've done that I did that for a couple of years and then um aside from a few nights at a karaoke bar um with friends <laughs> Yeah. But really, I haven't done that. The most karaoke I've done is pretty much at TK Jingles Live and Liver.
0: Oh, that definitely goes for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> the most karaoke. Yeah. Um, so do you ever get nervous um, performing in public?
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think of, for, I think for the church ones, I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly probably because we practiced right before, you know, we practiced the hour before. So you yeah. kind of had that chance to run through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at TK Jingles Liver, I was most nervous when I actually had to play the ukulele, because I had never played that ever in public. Um, so I was a little nervous there. Um, I should have been nervous at the beginning because I couldn't hear the music, but I was just going <laughs> yeah. for it. Um, but I, I, that,
0: that, is, that is a very legitimate, valid reason to be nervous when you can't hear yourself yeah. singing or the track.
1: Yeah. But I, I wasn't too nervous in the beginning of that because the mood was just so, everybody was just having fun and I knew it was going to be a fun night whether I screwed up or not. But I think I was more nervous for the first TK Jingles live just because I hadn't met anybody. and. Kind of just nervous, anxious, or excited to meet people. Well, um, I never
0: would have known. I never, I never picked up on any of that. So I never would have known any of that. You seemed like you were a seasoned professional, even at the first one a couple of years ago.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Um, but, not, but never for a choir in high school. I wasn't nervous, but probably because mm-hmm. I never auditioned to do a solo. I didn't let myself, I didn't put myself in those positions, which, mm-hmm. you know, now hindsight, as they say, is 50 50, right? Um, yeah. I would, have, I, would have, uh, I would have wished that I would have pushed myself a little more uh, hmm. in high school and, and, and sang with my mom in church and done those things that you don't know until you get older, that those would have been really cool moments.
0: Absolutely. So I know that you've also recorded a ukulele album of cover songs. Yes. And I know this because I um, I was fortunate enough to be a part of it on a few things. Um, but tell us about that experience in terms of um, what led you to do that and um, how was that? How was that experience?
1: Well, you were involved more than just a few things. You helped me on every single track on that album and, in fact, joined me on a few for playing and for singing. So um, I don't think, I really don't think I could have done that album without your help, so. Oh,
0: uh, n- no, you should never say that. Well, it's I, I true. It.
1: Um, But I just decided to do that because I wanted to become, I wanted to challenge myself, and I knew that mm-hmm. when I do these jingles there, I learn the songs, and they're only about a minute long, or a minute and a half, and, and then I never play the whole song, um, and I wanted to do... Something that would a bit would be a little bit more challenging, and I thought maybe this would be a good way to learn the the you know learn the ukulele better, mm-hmm. and um, so that's kind of why I did it. And then it took me a long time, a couple, probably a couple, maybe three months or so. Do you remember how long? Uh,
0: yeah, three. It was about two or three months, and that's honestly that's not very long. <laughs> that's it. You turned it around very quickly. Yeah, I I was impressed.
1: Well, I just knew that if I let it drag on, I'd probably never finish it.
0: I I know that from experience on my end.
1: (laughs) So I just chose some songs that meant something to me or some songs that I liked or songs that I thought might not be typically done on an ukulele. And then um, kind of went from there. And you helped me a lot on rhythm because I'm very bad at rhythm and I'm very bad at deciding or at staying when I play an instrument. I just want to go faster and faster and faster. And um, so you helped me. Kind of learn how to keep that rhythm, and um, so I, I feel like I became a better player with that album. And that—that's kind of why I wanted to challenge myself to do something that I hadn't done before, and then cool. just put it out there and and have fun with well, it, I've, which is what I did. So I was happy. All I wanted to do is have fun. Awesome.
0: So. Well, I've and I've heard it, and I, I think it's great. Is there is it is it available where um, people could actually hear it?
1: Yeah, it's on SoundCloud. Um I can't remember. I think my I think my username on SoundCloud is KJO. Mm-hmm. Um and so it is You
0: follow the you follow the speaking of tangents SoundCloud account, right?
1: Yes, I do. Yep.
0: Okay. So people could get to if people who go to soundcloud speaking of tangents and then uh, it's going to be one of the few that follow that so um, yeah along with mine um, they could find yours and it's it's listed in there is that where the album is
1: yes it's listed on there and then um i think i have it as a link on my twitter profile too at buffalo underscore alice oh cool um but that's 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 it i think it was what 12 songs maybe i've got another one mm-hmm. i need to add to it that i did this summer
0: oh a bonus track
1: it's a bonus track
0: I'm not even sure if I've heard that one. That's really cool.
1: Well, I made it into a jingle this summer, so it's a uh, called Emmy Lou by First Aid Kit.
0: Oh yeah, I, I've heard the jingle, and that's great. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I, I highly recommend anyone who's um, enjoys the jingles and especially when you hear a KJ playing, playing the ukulele and singing. If you enjoy that, uh, go check it out. Um, go check this album out. It's some really cool. I like a lot of the songs that you picked on there. Some great choices. So I think it's definitely worth a listen. Oh,
1: thank you. And then Jason joined me for a few songs. And then Brad mm. Weiss joined for played mandolin. And then John yep. Fitzpatrick joined me for two songs uh, vocally. We did do it. Yeah, and, and my mom.
0: Oh, yeah. Your mom sang harmony. She on sang those, harmony those, on
1: she? Man of Constant Sorrow, yes. Which was a That's lot awesome. of fun.
0: I never knew Brad played mandolin until um, you sent me the track to, to listen to the first time, and I was like, "Yeah, wait a minute, this is this is really good." So I I was impressed. Yeah, he does. And, he
1: yeah. plays in a band. He's also That's on SoundCloud, really cool. and I think he does. He follow.
0: Um, he follows you. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm not sure if he follows my account, but I know if they can get to your account on there through the Speaking of Tangents yes. account, then they can get to his account.
1: And um, make sure you get to Jason's SoundCloud account, which we already talked about on the last interview, but. He's got original music on there, folks, and it is awesome.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I hopefully have something coming, an actual real album or playlist or whatever you want to call it uh, later this year uh, that you're actually going to be helping me on and return the favor. So, Yes. Yep. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Me too. Okay. Uh, before we go, I have a few quick, uh, pretty short answer questions uh, that um, – very similar to the ones you asked me. Okay. And I'd like to get your take on that.
1: Got it.
2: Shoot.
0: Uh, if you're going to read, would you rather read on a Kindle or a, like a tablet, a digital tablet, uh, or an actual book?
1: I I'd prefer an actual book. However, sometimes I'm reading a book and I would really like to know what a word is that they just, what a word means. Oh, yeah. And... Kindle is really nice because you just click on the word and it gives you a definition, whereas I have mm-hmm. to get up and go physically Google a definition. So that's the only reason that I prefer a Kindle once in a while. That and if I'm reading in the dark, it's got light. I don't have to have uh, an overhead true. light on. But primarily, I want my hands on actual pages and I want to turn yep. them.
0: Have you ever had the, the thought for a split second when you're reading an actual book after you've been reading on a Kindle to touch up Word in the page in the book and have it see what comes up? All
1: the time. And the same thing okay. goes on a desktop when, or on a laptop, my laptop. I'm constantly touching the laptop screen because of the phones and iPads.
0: All right. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who's done that before. Because um, I've done definitely that on an actual book.
1: No, I have too.
0: <laughs> if you're going to go on vacation... And you can pick anywhere in the world to go on vacation. Where? What's your first choice?
1: Wow! Anywhere in the world. Uh-huh. If you would have said U.S., budget is no
0: option. Okay. The amount of money doesn't matter. Time, how to get there, anything. Um, you do have to factor in whether you can fly there. You, whether you can drive there, or you have to fly. Because I know.
1: Yeah, I about don't. You and I don't fly, but. Um Let's just assume that I would be heavily medicated so the flying doesn't come in. I guess off the top of my head, it'd probably be Norway and Scandinavia hit all those countries. Mm. Finland, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, all of them.
0: That's very cool. Have you ever been to that area of the world before?
1: No, I've never. Beyond Canada, that's it. U.S. and Canada is all I've been. And that's largely because of the airplane.
0: Yeah, I, I can understand that. That's a long. That's a, what's probably like eight hours from uh, where you'd have to pick it up or to fly to somewhere in Europe.
1: Probably, but I could I could do it if if I had mm-hmm. to do it.
0: I think at least once you need to go and, and see your Viking homeland.
1: Absolutely, I definitely would like to go to Italy, Ireland. Um, I'd love to see Amsterdam. I'd love to visit Amsterdam, Mm-hmm. which is uh, the Amsterdam is in Denmark, right?
0: Um, that's in Holland, Holland.
1: Holland. I always get Denmark and Holland confused because Holland is Dutch. So you got the two D's.
0: Right. The perfect night to you is going out or staying in? A
1: hundred percent staying in.
0: Very cool. You and I agree on that. Yep. Um,
1: It'd have to be pretty special, like TK Jingles Live or Liver or something like that. Then I choose going out, but uh, most of the time it's it's staying in for sure.
0: Cool, I can I can vibe with that. If you only had to, if you only if you had to limit yourself to one social media platform, is it going to be Facebook, Twitter, or Snapchat?
1: Twitter, because I don't know how to use Snapchat, and Facebook, uh, <laughs> I I don't know about Facebook, but Twitter at least I know how to use it
0: we're in agreement once again yeah
1: (laughs) i'm not very good at twitter but i know how to use it at least
0: if you're going to watch sports uh which which would you prefer watching sports or playing sports
1: that depends on the sport um okay i
0: what's your favorite sport then
1: my favorite sport in high school i played soccer basketball and softball Mm -hmm. and I nowadays don't want to softball. I'd much rather play. I sometimes substitute on a rec league here in town or in the twin cities, but um, so I do enjoy still playing softball, but right now I love golf. I golf a couple times a week. Um, So if golf is on TV, I do like to watch golf on TV. I'm not going to say I don't, but I would much rather be playing golf. And it's, it's weird because when I watch golf on TV, just pretty much like everybody probably thinks this, it looks so easy, and so I'm all pumped up. I'm going to go out and hit it like those guys. Yeah, it doesn't happen that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sort of like the gymnastics we were talking about before. Yeah. They make it look so easy, the professionals yeah. do. Yeah,
1: my, but my favorite sport to watch is um, baseball. I'm a baseball <laughs> nut. And then followed by football, um, and probably ba- – I like to watch the NBA when there's uh, playoffs time. But mostly, everything mostly is professional. I don't get into college football much, college baseball. I don't really watch college sports. I know I'm, supposedly I'm missing stuff with college football, but it's... Hey,
0: I knew we got along for some reason. That might be the primary one right there. I'm completely all about the pro sports and college sports. I can pretty much take relief. Yeah,
1: even though they're all corrupt at some level, I still like to watch them. (laughs) That's
0: very true, yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially for baseball, Twins and Cubs.
0: Okay. I was going to say, who are your favorite teams? The, so the Twins and the Cubs? The
1: Cubs are my childhood team. And I, I, mm-hmm. I know it's because when I came home uh, from kindergarten or um, you know, later years, they, they were the only team that played during the day. So they were the only team oh, that was yeah. really on TV, WGN. And I, I loved Sean Dunstan. I loved um, Sandberg. Um, yep, and and so I really was a big Cubs fan. I mean, my dog, I named, I changed my dog's name when I adopted him was Buster, and I changed it to Wrigley. Um, and then when I moved to back to Minnesota, as an, you know, in college, it's kind of hard not to cheer for the team that is closest to you and the and the team you can go see on a your regular basis. So that's how I became a Twins fan. But I've always been a Cubs fan.
0: So if you're going to pick one of these to eat, grilled chicken with raspberry cream sauce, apple slices or tuna fish in a packet.
1: Those, those all sound like things that Tony Kornheiser would throw against the wall along with the coffee creamer. Um, <laughs> to, if, if I'm feeling like sweetness, I'll, I'll pick the apple slices. Uh, but mm-hmm. grilled chicken with, what was it, cranberry, cranberry sauce?
0: <laughs> you wrote the question. I
1: know. <laughs> I forgot.
0: <laughs> Raspberry, raspberry sauce, raspberry sauce. cream sauce. I've never even had that before. I don't even know what that well,
1: is. Well, I, I maybe made it up. I was just thinking that <laughs> kornheiser does are just not like fruit mixed fruit mixed with meat. That's what I was thinking. Ah,
2: uh, okay. I would, okay. I
1: guess i'd I would, I would try chicken with raspberry cream sauce, but tuna in a packet. No, I don't really like that.
0: No, especially not stuff that's you know guaranteed to be fresh for ten years from now. I'm not yeah, into that. Right. No, it, it, no way. You're putting fish or meat in. Um, in a sealed up bag and it's going to be good 10 years from now. I just, I, I, I have a hard time believing that.
1: And like a Twinkie or a Ho-Ho.
0: Yeah. Good forever. No, No, it's not. <laughs> All right. So last question. And some might say the most important question. And I know this may be too serious to answer. And I, I, I just want to give you the chance, you know, let you know upfront that you can say no comment or take the fifth on this. Okay. Um, but Hydrox or Oreos.
1: Oh, well, I have to choose Oreo because of the double stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not gonna eat. I'm not gonna eat a a regular Oreo anymore. Uh, it has to be double stuff. I've become an Oreo snob. I need more cream. Then I eat my Oreo. I don't know how you eat Oreo or Hydrox, but I open the. I, I separate the cookie, mm-hmm. and I eat the cream, and then I eat mm-hmm. the two pieces of cookie.
0: Well, I don't think there's any other way to, to, to actually eat it, and if somebody wants to disagree with that, um, they're not going to be hanging out with me eating Oreos, that's for sure.
1: If, made, if Hydrox made one with double stuff, then we'd have a problem, I think.
0: <laughs> then it would be a discussion.
1: But when we were up at the cabin last weekend, one of my, my nephew was eating Oreos by dipping them in milk, and I'm like, what are you doing? You don't. If you're gonna, you you maybe could do that with the cookies that remain, but you need to eat the cream out of there first, untouched.
0: Yeah, I can't. I, I've actually done that a lot, where I will take the cream out of the middle and then eat the two wafers, dipping them in milk. That, that I can. That I can do. So that's fine. That's, that's a, But
1: you gotta have the cream yeah. first. It has to be alone. Oh,
0: absolutely. You can't. I could not dip that in milk and eat it. No. No,
1: you don't. You don't mess with the cream. You keep. You. That has to be pure.
0: What's with kids these days? I know. Come on. <laughs> So thanks for joining us today. And um, I hope you had as enjoyable of a time as I did uh, doing this. And we hope to have you on the podcast again at some point.
1: I would. I really had a great time. And I definitely will join you on the podcast again real soon.
0: Great. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. If you did, you can let us know on Twitter or Facebook at Speak Speak Tangents through email at speakingoftangentspodcast at gmail.com or our website, speakingoftangents.com. Also, please consider leaving us an iTunes review. I guess it really helps. I mean, we don't really know how it helps or why it helps. But if you could do that, that would be great.
0: That wraps it up for our five days of holidays. I can't remember what I called it, podcast. It's five days of podcast in five days. So we hope you've enjoyed it. And... We hope you've had a great holiday and have a great new year. We'll see you sometime in 2018, right? That's the year. Yes, 2018. Man, I'm getting old. Anyway, from both KJ and I, thanks for listening. This wouldn't be nearly as fun without all of you.
1: snow peas, and I love you.
0: Bye-bye.